Hello and welcome to the Learning That Sticks podcast. I'm Mark Williams from GiraffePad, the learning platform for learning journeys. In this podcast series, I'll be speaking with experts from around the world of learning and development, exploring with them their different ideas, techniques, their methods, their magic source, if you like, for creating learning solutions that truly stick. And in this episode, I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming back Jamie Dixon, who's one of our stars from series one. And in this episode, we're going to explore his subject around the story habit. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be back again. No, it's, uh, we've been looking forward to this episode. Now, Jamie, hopefully we've acquired a few new listeners since uh, series one. So if you could give a little bit of a background to your career, if you like, and how you've ended up in the role that you're now doing in, in the learning industry, it would be great. Mm. So uh, I, I think a big part of that is uh, I'm based in China at the moment, although we'll be moving back to the UK next year. And I've been in China for 15 years. So I started here as an English teacher and I, I moved my way from uh, from being a training manager back into the classroom and started working for a training company. Um, and so uh, for the last 10 years, I've been working as a trainer and a coach and I deliver a lot of leadership development and communication skills trainings. And um, uh, because I'm based in China, I speak fluent Mandarin. So I work with a lot of Chinese teams who are struggling somewhat working in an international environment and also work with international teams who need to work with Chinese teams. And um, one other thing about what I do is I really enjoy the design uh, side of things. And the thing I enjoy the most about designing is designing a methodology um, from scratch um, and taking it through a thorough process of refinement and then gradually bringing it into the room uh, with the people in training and coaching. And then after lots and lots of refinements, eventually seeing it work. That, that's what I love the most about this job. Fantastic, Jamie. And that, and that nicely links us, I guess, to what we're going to talk about today, um, which you lovely, your lovely phrase around this is a story habit. Um, maybe let's let's start with a bit of an explanation by what you mean in terms of the story habit in its relation to learning. Mm. So the story habit, um, it's a book I've been writing and will be publishing uh, around about July. Uh, and the it started with trying to make storytelling more practical and relevant to the workplace. Um, the end result is a, a list of about 15, 16 habits that we can use in our day-to-day communication. But the focus is not so much on telling stories. It's on shaping uh, the stories other people believe in. And if you need to cooperate with other people, if you need to change people, um, you really need to be able to shape the stories other people believe in. And I think it's a big part of leadership. And there's there's a fable that I wrote at the uh, at the beginning of the book, which I think uh, is a good metaphor for explaining how this works. And so imagine that from the beginning of your life, you've lived in this small village in the center of a forest. And this village has absolutely everything that you need. It's got um, all the food you need. It's got a stream. So it's got all the water you need. One family raises chickens and other raises pigs and other makes clothing. So it's got absolutely everything that you need. And every day you thank the village for letting you live another day and every night um, you you pray to the village for protection and when it's someone's birthday you thank the village again for letting them live another year um and 
surrounding the village is this forest that is so dense with trees that people call it the dark forest and the the elders in this uh, in this village have lots of stories about the dark forest uh they say that if you go in there um dragons will 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 eat you or eagles will pick you up or you'll get swallowed by trees and so there's a lot of fear around this dark forest and so people have never dared venture into the dark forest apart from one time when you were a child a friend of yours uh called try he ventured into the dark forest and he never ever returned and so you've lived a fairly safe and stable and secure life in this village never dared to go out into the dark forest until one day when a man steps out of the forest and says my name is try and 30 years ago i walked into this forest and uh, i discovered actually there's a big wide world out there um and i've come here to tell you a bit about the big wide world um who wants to come with me and, and so that's the end of the fable um but it it's a metaphor for for how to change people and why people are sometimes quite reluctant to change as well mm. which is such a fantastic starting point if you're considering any kind of learning because any any intervention in whatever context whatever subject and whatever the individuals are is essentially about some form of change isn't it yeah change in behavior change in skill set a change in mindset a change in their story that you're shaping um is the whole point of any learning intervention really yeah yeah exactly and you know the in the, in this metaphor the village represents people's comfort zones mm. and the dark forest represents the unknown and when we want people to change we want them to leave their village <laughs> their comfort zones and go into the unknown but in order to do that you have to go into the village to start with you have to relate to them and if if you are trying to persuade people to to change you need to start with where they're at right now and you know for example just last week i had one client um reach out to me saying that uh they have a lot of senior leaders who have been in this company for a long time um and they're kind of comfortable and they're they're settled and the the general manager is getting a bit impatient because he thinks every, he thinks everyone is just they're too slow and they they're not really wanting to challenge themselves and he he really wants the training to kind of push them but at the same time there's no need for them to change because the business is performing really really well so <laughs> if they're in that village and they see no reason to leave that village then the the training is not really going to have a lot of a lot of impact so you really have to relate to where they're at right at that moment and find a good reason for, to persuade them to change you know Jamie listening to you there i i can now almost picture and imagine many trainers and facilitators borrowing or stealing your fable and starting their learning intentions <laughs> like this um because it is such a powerful message isn't it and obviously a lot of people do um should we use the phrase get sent on to training I mean take the picture of your general manager they he wants those leaders to go on the training and he's telling them to but their mm. belief is well the business is performing well I'm performing well um you know the sun the sun rises each morning and then dips at night why do we need to change absolutely yeah yeah exactly if they if they don't feel a need to change training is i i really don't think it's going to have an impact at all so it's got to come at, at the right time for them the right time for them and it's it's got to be 
uh, it's got to be at the mindset level, and it's got to be at a belief level, isn't it? That actually stepping into that forest is is worth the effort, worth the motivation, worth the results that will come out of it, but also worth the uh, some of the challenge. You know, if you keep your metaphor going, the dark forest probably is very compact. You know, you're not going to come out unscathed from that. You're going to come out with some scratches. Um, you know, it's going to be dark for a while. It's going to be uncomfortable pushing through it to explore the other world, isn't it? And you've got to be prepared to go through that discomfort to go and find out that wide world that Try discovered. Yeah, it, exactly. Um, and you, it, there has to be some kind of benefit for them to want to go in that direction. But also there has to be some kind of pain for them to want to even leave where they're at right now. And I, I, I think... Um, you know, whenever I get any kind of training request, uh, I, I always kind of ignore what the um, stakeholder, uh, well, what the the non-trainee stakeholders are asking for, <laughs> and focus straight on the trainees. And I think the two things that are most uh, most important to know are what are the problems they are facing right now and what are the goals that are most important to them right now? Because everything has to be in context, uh, in that context, in order for them to be motivated. And, you know, a, 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 a relevant example here is, for example, I, I work in, in China and sometimes I work with global training companies who... Um, sign contracts uh, to deliver the same standardized training all around the world, one of those training courses will be assertiveness. And um, in, China, in, in Chinese, there's no word actually for assertiveness. <laughs> it, it, it's actually not a concept in, in Chinese culture. It's actually not valued at all in Chinese culture. If you behave assertively and when speaking with Chinese people, it, it doesn't really work well in your favor. So you, you really need to understand the context that people are in at the moment before you can even, before you even have any ability to help them whatsoever. And, you know, if we, if we, I, I, I like this fable so much. I almost want to come back to it. If we understand that as well as that they could be very, very company in their context. You talk about the challenges in their current context or the problems they might be faced, but also they might be overlaid completely with a, a large degree of comfort. Like you said, they, the people in that village had lots going for them. You know, mm. so the, the sort of the difficult world we live in, that village sounds a very attractive place to be for a lot of people. So yeah. I imagine part of that isn't just about the challenge as well, but it's that curiosity as to what, the future might be like or what's beyond the forest and if it's only you use the word stakeholder or the commissioner and the trainer or whoever it is that's asked for this training to happen if they're the only ones that are curious about what's beyond the forest or or think that what's beyond the forest is is attractive and worth aiming for um you're going to end up dragging them kicking and screaming through the forest aren't you which is not learning yeah, exactly. And they're not going to get out of the forest and into the big, wide, beautiful world. <laughs> they won't have the motivation to go much further than that. Yeah, And, and you can imagine, I mean, I'm, I'm visually picturing that as, as you're dragging them through, they're struggling to get free to go back to that village because that's where they want to be. That's comfortable. This is how I am as a manager. This is how I am as a, uh, as a, as a team member, whatever it might be. And I like the way it is right now. And we're performing. Yeah. We're getting good results. Yeah, yeah. And a, a big thing around motivation um there's a lot of models about about how motivation works and a lot of it tends to focus on the the internal side but 
a huge part, a huge influencing factor for motivation is actually the context. Again, I keep using that word, the context that people are in. And there's, I think there's three things in particular. One is environment. Um, another is the people around you. Another is time. And I think time is a really, uh, a really key thing, because if it comes at the right time, then, um, you know, the motivation will be high. If it comes at the wrong time, motivation will be low and they'll be less ready to, to change. And there's one example um, that uh, I, I was I came across when I was researching this book about people who believe in the uh, flat earth theory. And there was um, there was one guy who uh, he strongly believed in it. And he joined the U.S. Navy um, to see for himself, traveling along the seas, to see for himself if the world was flat or not. And when he first joined, his leader was like, right, <laughs> I'm going to show you. Come up on deck and I'll show you what uh, what the world out there looks like. And if the earth was flat, we would be able to see this, this and this. But it's not. And see, we can't see it. But in that moment, it wasn't enough to persuade him. It was only after a few weeks of him sitting inside, plotting a course on the, on the charts, that he realized for the course that he was plotting, it would be impossible if the earth was flat. And so after a few weeks of that, his mind started to change. And when, he went on, uh, when his leader recognized that his mind was starting to change, he took him up on deck again and said, see? And finally, in that moment, he changed his mind. And so the timing of something is really important because motivation is always fluctuating. And if you want a learning and development initiative to be successful, it has to come at exactly the right time. Well, I think what you've also really highlighted there is that um, in order for the change to be embraced, like you said, it has to be at the right time, but also there's, there's a lead up process to that. You know, these, these two to three weeks whilst he was mm. sat on that boat, you know, mapping the charts and his leader wasn't pushing him to change his belief is that kind of, in my mind would be, is the perfect time between when the training is might be announced or discussed mm. to be having and up to the point that it actually happens. It's that kind of unpicking of beliefs and gentle nudging and challenging to, to come to almost to come to the party willingly, isn't it? So that actually when they arrive with, with you, the facilitator, they're prepared to embrace that challenge, whether that be acknowledging that the world isn't flat or that they're going to step into this forest, whatever metaphor we're using. Mm. If, if, however, this group of people, as we say, that you might be working with a group, arrive with you virtually in the room, however we're doing it, and you're expected to start that process, this is one of the main reasons why a lot of learning missions won't work, isn't it? Because mm. you're having to do all of that unpicking of beliefs and almost, I use the phrase, like a PR for change. You're like the PR person for, you know, you've got a group of people sat around you who genuinely believe the world is flat and rather than working on their navigation skills, you're having to try and convince them in that training session. Whereas actually they need to arrive prepared to embrace that change almost going back to your village analogy that they're stood at the edge of the edge of the village ready to step into the forest when they start working with you yeah and in in that process of getting them ready i think the most important thing is what are they experiencing in that moment so i've had i've had a lot of training programs where um, people have told me, you know, either the training company or the leaders, they've told me it's really important that at this moment you give this message 
And I just think that's a load of rubbish because it, it, it doesn't matter what message I give. It doesn't matter what words I use. It's not necessarily going to get through. But what <clears throat> stands a much better chance of getting through to people is experiences. And a good general best practice is to always start some kind of learning and development journey or training program or workshop with an experience. Um, and, you know, that flat earther is only when he experienced for himself that suddenly he, his mind opens. And uh, if that experience can come before the training, that's even more perfect because now they're really ready and they're really willing and it, it's exactly the right time. So experience is really important. Absolutely. One of our previous guests, Phil Allen, talks about practice a lot. And he, he has this great phrase of any learning journey starts with practice, which again is an mm. experience. And I think it's such a useful way of getting that base point mindset to really experience stuff way before you come into the actual learning environment the, or the, the sort of structured learning environment um, so that you can have proper objective understanding of what your beliefs are about or what your issues are, what your current situation is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, um, find the right kind of experience or wait for the right time. You know, sometimes when, I, when, uh, when I'm running workshops and I, I share the dark forest metaphor, I, I ask people to uh, brainstorm, how would you persuade the villagers to go into the dark forest? And one of the ways that people sometimes come up with is, well, I wouldn't go into the village first. First, I'd wait until nighttime and then I'd set fire to the village. <laughs> and then the next day I'd go, I'd go into the village and say, hey, <laughs> maybe it's time you should leave the village and come with me. <laughs> I love that because that's almost like leaving training to the last moment, isn't it? We're not, we're not training people when they're doing well. We're training when the, the business is in crisis and you have to change all of a sudden. I love that analogy. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I was just going to say one other thing is about, you know, how far do you want them to go in this change? Because actually leaving their village, traveling through an entire dark forest and into the big wide world is, is a huge ask. And I notice in a lot of trainings that it, for example, maybe the training is for bus drivers on communication skills. And if you're a bus driver, then you probably don't need to learn so much about conflict management or negotiation skills or the XYZ theory or read this academic paper. You just want to know how to greet customers and, and make small talk and, and explain things to people. You just want to know those things. You don't want to go through the whole forest and out into the big wide world. You just want to take a step in and take a glimpse and, okay, I've got what I needed. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, it's, the thing I'm thinking about this as well is using. I, I love I love this fable, Jamie. Um, the village has everything they want at the moment in time, so their current environment they're they're performing okay. Outside of that forest, you've used this phrase: a big, wide world. They don't need to, like you've just said, they don't need to experience everything, but mm -hmm. they need to go and pick the right part of that big, wide world to go and live in because it's not going to be the same as the the village they're in currently. It is going to be different, but there's going to be choices and options, isn't there? And yeah. I think giving them that sense or working with people to give that sense of choice around that, that this isn't, we're not going to guide you through this forest just to take you to one particular area. 
having them form that narrative, and I think you use the phrase shape their story or shape other stories to choose or have options about which part of the big wide world they're going to go out into is really crucial with this as well. So again, there's that level of responsibility tied into the motivation. It's not like I'm going to take you out of this village and yes, there's a big wide world out there, but we're just taking you to a small town out there that's going to be slightly bigger, slightly more dynamic than your village, but we're not going to show you anything else. Absolutely, because for change, it has to come from, from within. It, it, it's, it's about motivation through commitment rather than compliance. If you are, if you are forcing people to do something, it's like, it's like slavery. And, um, you know, slaves, the moment you stop looking, they give up. And if you are a facilitator and you've got people who are just going through for compliance reasons, the moment you're not there, they give up and they won't drive themselves any further. So you have to give them that choice to explore and go as far as they want to go or wherever or wherever they want to go. But I do think one important thing is getting people to just take that first step because that first step is really significant. And a general principle about behavior change is that it's easier to continue doing something than it is to start doing something. It's easier to continue walking through the forest than it is to start walking through the forest. And I, I think one thing we can do as facilitators, designers, and coaches is encourage people to just try one little thing and then see what happens. And then that can lead to a lot of different things as well. So part of that shouts out to me then as well that continuing this fable because it's so great the forest actually isn't going to necessarily just be one line of trees it, it, you know that that change that you need to go through in order to get to the big outside world or wherever it is that you're heading could be quite a long journey and it's not mm. a comfortable journey so on the one hand absolutely we just want to encourage them to take that first step and and once you're moving in that direction maybe our role is to nudge them and help them along through that journey but also it's not just about focusing on the the end result, but also how they're going to do the best journey possible through that forest. And, and that's, the, that's the learning stage, isn't it? When you're challenging yourself, you're doing something different. They've had this comfortable life in the village. They need to navigate through this dark, difficult forest to get to wherever they're mm. going to. And knowing how to do that, in other mm. words, knowing how they're going to learn, how are they going to experience that stretch sensation of doing something difficult, uncomfortable, whatever we might want to call it? How are they going to get the best results from it? How are they going to be resilient enough to deal with it? How are they going to reflect on it to make sure they're going in the right direction? I think is also a really important role of the facilitator. So it's not just about the sort of the start and the end, is it? It's like actually helping you get the best out of being uncomfortable as you mm. navigate through your learning stretch is a really, really crucial part of it. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, a lot of people don't realize how we actually learn. And I, I don't mean facilitators, but I think a, a lot of individuals don't realize how we learn. And I, there's, a, there's a lot of people I come across who they want the step-by-step -step methodology. They want, they want the map. And they they want the knowledge. Um, they they want to know the the model that I should follow, and I want to learn that model. 
but you know the the classic nlp phrase the map is not the territory if you just if you just get the map you just got the map you haven't explored the big wide world and, and learning I, I remember a great book i read uh made to stick i believe was the title um what i learned from that book was that the only way people learn is pretty much by reflection exploring the world and then reflecting on it, uh, never by just <laughs> reading a book or anything. You have to go out and explore and reflect on that. And I, I think as a facilitator, a big part of our role is helping people understand how, <laughs> how we actually learn and encouraging people to, to actually learn rather than just passively taking information. And then this, I, this is something I'm, I'm really, really passionate about because and you make such a good point that, you know, it's so easy to get lost into a particular model and, and build all sorts of interest around that. And it's just this theoretical thing on a piece of paper or in, in, a, in a, on a hard drive somewhere in someone's mind. Um, and actually in the design stage of this is designing in a helping people understand how they learn best and specific time and interventions that are classic learning moments so that's the experiencing and practicing it and the reflection moments and and making sure that they have um such a huge part to play you know it's so easy to to run a big workshop or a training session and just as you come to the end and you're running out of time so well you know on your way home tonight or, or you know if you get five minutes later just have a think about what today has meant to you it's almost like the reflection is left to the last moment rather than being an integral part of mm. that actual learning process mm. yeah I, I think a good you know getting back to being metaphorical i think a good metaphor is that learning is not the path learning is is walking the path because the the physical way that we learn is our neurons fire and we create new neural pathways in our brains and that's the literal process of learning so we can give people these these models etc cetera, etc cetera, but it's only when they actually go out and do things that's when they're actually learning so it could be for example um, assertive communication skills. And, and earlier on, I mentioned it's not really relevant in Chinese culture, but there's one situation where it is relevant, which is where it's a Chinese person working in an international environment and uh, they're, they're working with European and American colleagues who are very assertive and they need to change their behavior. And so learning techniques will not be enough, but actually going back into this real world and trying things and exploring things and and then coming out and going whoa wow that was different <laughs> to what i'm normally used to that's learning and a lot of what we do as trainers and coaches is is just the spark for the learning it's not the actual learning so it's not the path it's the treading the path which is where the learning happens absolutely and i, and I am going to come back to your original fable i, I can picture in the village if they've made this decision to leave, you know, running all sorts of workshops about the best way, you know, the models, all the experts on how you navigate a forest, it's not until they step into those trees that the learning is really going to happen. And it's the actual experience of pushing through and being uncomfortable in that dark environment in order to get to wherever they're getting to where the learning is really going to happen. Yeah, and... Yeah, this is a bit of a rant about models, but one thing I'd say about a lot of models um, is that a lot of them come from uh, the field of academia and they're from academics 
and the we we tend to worship uh the field of academics because these people are professional researchers and they've researched stuff but we forget that they're also still people with egos and things that make it make their way into the public sphere uh tend to be very well marketed not necessarily they don't necessarily make those them, their way into the public sphere because they're they're valid or they're true or they're actually useful it's most likely because they've been really well marketed by people with really big egos <laughs> so a lot of these models uh yeah they, they drive me nuts <laughs> yeah, no 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 I, i'm definitely on that path and it's the i i love the way you describe about it's not the path or the, the journey per se, it's the walking it, the actual physical process of walking along that journey where those neurons are fizzing out and the new experiences are filling into the habits and the beliefs or whatever we need to, to change and, and, and bring in there. Um, Jamie, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot right now because I, I absolutely love this 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 way that you're viewing this and the way that we're because in my mind this is a whole model of learning that you're describing about in a way. Um, is there a particular example of a program where you've really applied this sort of um, story habit to that could sort of bring it to life in, a, in a, an even more practical way, particularly? Mm. Um, so you know, not 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 a uh, not a program exactly, but there's there's one story that that happened quite recently, a, a personal experience um, where um, I was. I was catching up with a friend over coffee and um, I, I was speaking to, uh, you know, I was catching up with him and he brought his Chinese girlfriend along. And I, uh, I was kind of ranting about how annoying it is to raise kids <laughs> and saying how, how much I love them, but they're so exhausting. And as I was saying this, his Chinese girlfriend said very directly to me, uh, it's an honor to have children. It's an absolute honor. Uh, and you should you should be happy for having children. And I, I'm not one of those per people to tolerate excessive levels of positivity. So I kind of pushed back. <laughs> I said, yeah, it is an honor, but it's really hard. Anyway, my, my friend kind of wised up to what was going on and he, he stopped us and changed the subject. An hour later, his girlfriend walked away. Uh, she had something to do. And um, as she left, my friend said to me, you know, Jamie, when she was a baby, she was abandoned as a baby and, and she was lucky to actually get adopted by foster parents. And in, in that moment, I realized that I had my story and she had her story and I was forcing my story and she was forcing her story back. And sometimes what the best thing to do is to shut up <laughs> and just shut up <laughs> and try to understand where they're at. And I find, for example, when I'm coaching people, uh, I, I find a lot of the time I'm asking so many questions to understand where they're at. And the, the classic teaching in coaching is to not give advice because, uh, you know, that, well, first, that's not how people learn, but you don't know where people are at. And I think it's really relevant for any kind of learning solution. Um, you always have to start with where people are, are actually at. And, and to kind of make it a bit more practical, I, I introduce that fable um, of the dark forest in a lot of the story habit workshops that I'm running. And then I ask people, you know, for your stakeholders that you're working with, 
what is their village and what is the dark forest? <laughs> and then let, let's focus on that. And all, all of the techniques that I share, we then come back to, you know, how would you use it in that? And so no matter what you do, you, be it in training or um, in just day-to-day communication, uh, don't try to force your stories onto other people. Try to get into their story, go into their village and learn where they're at and stay with them at the same level and go step by step with them. Jamie, I could listen to you. Know, we have such wonderful conversations about learning and, and life and everything, but I could listen to you talk about this all day long. Now, uh, you, you sort of dangled this beautiful carrot at the beginning as well, that you are publishing a book on this subject as well, aren't you? Um, so is that uh, coming out soon? Is that something people can look out for? Or? Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, it, yeah, it's it'll be out in July. So it's called The Story Habit. Um, how leaders can shape the stories that drive actions. Um, so uh, be out in July. If you want to learn more about it, you can uh, follow me on LinkedIn or you can go to shapingpaths.com and uh, I'll definitely be putting a lot of stuff out on LinkedIn <laughs> in the run-up to the launch. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, honestly, Jamie, today you shared such great uh, I, I, great ways of viewing and looking at, um, you know, you call it the story habit. I look at this and think this is a whole way of, really ensuring that your learning intervention that you might be running is set up at the right time, such a crucial point you're saying, but that people, um, that you're not forcing your story down their throats, that we understand their story and where they're at right now, mm-hmm. um, before we even think about how we're going to get them through the challenge, the forest, as you call it, to the uh, to the to, to the wider world that they might be aiming for, absolutely magnificent. I highly recommend anyone listening uh, visiting Jamie's website. There's loads of great resources on there, and uh, putting that book on the order list for when it comes out in July 22. Jamie, thank you so much again for being such a wonderful guest. Thank you for anyone who's taken the time to listen to us today. Um, if you want to follow us, my name is Mark Williams on GiraffePad and our website is www.giraffepad.com. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating on your app of choice and we'll be back again soon. Bye for now. Bye.